Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we're, and we're going, going round, round Springfield. Springfield. <laughs> Hello, everyone. We are so excited to be back. We have been gone for quite a while. But that's because Julia and I were single-handedly making sure that Biden won the presidency. So you're we welcome. Did. Yeah, we <laughs> we drove all across the country and we dropped down. We got a little distracted before we reached Pennsylvania, but then they picked up the slack. So, that, you know, we're proud of our our Philly people. <laughs> <laughs> We're very excited to be back here. And this is a super exciting episode. We have Jordan Morris with us today. Hey, Jordan. Hi. And uh, please give me some credit for helping Biden win the election, too. <laughs> I, yeah, what'd you do? Well, I didn't unsubscribe from the campaign text messages, oh even when God. they got a little bit annoying. Yeah. That's good. That's unbelievably powerful. Thank you. I'm very brave. We all know that those text messages are like Nielsen homes where they just check to see if people are receiving them and they'll run the numbers through that. So that alone, I mean, I'm clapping over here, Jordan. You're truly an American hero. I know it's been said many times before about you, but I really feel it today. Thank you. I think it's I think, you know, I think, you know, number one hero of the election, the poll workers, of course, of course, Um, to everybody who got out there and vote voted. Yeah. And three, uh, the comedy podcasters. And Stacey Abrams, maybe a four or a five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Top ten at least. Top ten at least. Well, I was going to say, we don't know what comedy podcast she's been cooking up hey. in her quarantine corner, okay? So, you know, that'll be something that we'll see in a couple months' time for some reason. Yes. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Stacey Abrams <laughs> and one of her friends from college are rewatching every Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> OG series, not the new one. They're doing fun riffy commentary. That's great. I would definitely listen to that, Stacy, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> so that <laughs> we're super excited. The you listeners have been anticipating this as much as we have. This time we are going to talk to Julia about her episode that she wrote of the Simpsons. <laughs> it's so emotional. Oh no! my god! <laughs> Make it 2020. Stop. What a year. <laughs> well, my joke has been, and I may have said this on the podcast, so forgive me. But I knew my life would change after I wrote a Simpsons, but I truly had no idea. Is this <laughs> your fault? <laughs> it's all my fault. I knew it. I, I, you know, prayed up to the moon, and you on the as we paw. all I prayed on the monkey <laughs> paw to the moon, as we all know in movies and TV, when you pray to the moon as a young innocent child, magic happens, and I'm a child at heart, so magic did happen, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, so, Jordan, thank you for coming by uh, for this episode where we're going to talk to Julie about this. Thrilled, thrilled to thrilled to be here. This is a very special episode, and yeah. uh, I thank you guys for asking me. Absolutely, yeah. We we wanted it to be as like fun and friendly and chill. Chilly sounds bad. I meant like we're chilling, but chilly <laughs> makes it sound icy cold. <laughs> it is winter time, so chilly there is a little bit of chilly, mm, but uh, also chilly can be cozy, which is good. Chilly bad, cozy good. <laughs> so, Julia, you've already had people ask you a lot of questions about how this came to be. You, you and I were even on a podcast recently, the guy who does the Bard of Darkness podcast, or his Instagram account, we did his show, and you got to talk a little bit about it. So I don't want to make you mad and have you repeat all the same things, but I really want you to tell our fans. I'm mad. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm leaving this. <laughs> so, Julia, we've had a, a few, quite a few people from our Twitter account reach out and say how much they love this episode. And that must feel great. But one thing I thought was really cool that a lot of people are saying is that as listeners of the podcast and as fans of yours from your other work, they're just so excited to be along with this journey, uh, seeing you start a Simpsons podcast. And then you get to write not only a Simpsons episode, but a Treehouse of Horror episode. And I'm right there with all of the listeners who have said that and jordan is too it's so cool yeah, to watch you become awesome. a simpson 
Like you wrote a Simpsons ah! episode, and um, you got yeah. to think of a Halloween name. Like, oh my god! Like the two, there's two dreams that every Simpsons fan I know. has: I know. one to write an episode, two to get to do a spooky Halloween name. And yours was great. Yours is a natural. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm really like on the verge of making that my new married legal name. Yeah. How many people thought it was a reference to the wedding singer? <laughs> oh, everybody. Sadly, everybody. everybody. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, and and it still kind of is. Like, yeah. <laughs> in a way, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to tell. Like, where the Julia Gulia. It's like you know, chicken and egg kind of problem <laughs> of like. I felt like I was called Julia Gulia for a really long time before the Wedding Singer came out, which is you know <laughs> the reason why that joke lands um yeah. people <laughs> on the playground and then yeah with this julia gulia thing <laughs> i had a lot of people because i um did a screen cap of the title card with my name uh written by and a lot of people that in the comments online were just like that's funny why is that funny? You know, and just like doing the wedding. But I didn't realize, like, when you just read it in the flurry of other people being like, congrats, like, it sounded mean. <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard. For, like, every internet comment seems mean at first. And maybe, yeah. perhaps, maybe I'm just a fragile person, but I assume everything is either sarcastic or a secret slam. Yeah, yeah. I've only had a couple people, and I'm grateful every day that I exist in like the shaded palm tree area of the internet where I'm not notable enough that people really, really troll me. But I've only had a couple people like comment directly on my Instagram about how much the Simpsons suck now. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that's all your fault. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Julia. Thank you. You're welcome. It is my fault. I did bring it down from the inside out. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's all place the blame where it squarely belongs on Dana Gould. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's been sitting pretty for too long. I I really love Dana Gould. I really love I Dana. I mean, who doesn't? Totally but, um... sarcastic. He's so funny. <laughs> People that are commenting on my personal Instagram with those messages are not only not reading the room; they are just opening doors and entering different various rooms without even <laughs> opening their eyes. They're just like screaming into the ether. I'm like, bitch, are you? like look around this is my account the only other photos are simpsons related photos and pictures of my cat like <laughs> do you really think that i'm gonna be like yes you're right <laughs> i forsake <laughs> everything about my life up until this point anyway i needed to get that rain out it was I, this yeah. the internet internet the internet's like hate strategy is similar to that of a, a like of a crop duster it's how a crop <laughs> duster works it's like if you just <laughs> spray your anger out in the sky yeah. it'll fall maybe it'll fall someplace where it means something yeah it's just like uh, yeah uh, monkeys typing on typewriters eventually they're going to write a sentence that makes some sort of cohesive sense you know if they just spray their hate it's gonna land somewhere and and really affect them and and the important part is that they're not going to be around to witness how it affects that person and that is the most important part right. it's just about launching a grenade and walking away <laughs> um so uh tell us a little bit about the actual experience of writing this episode and please tell us uh how many monkeys were there on typewriters <laughs> <laughs> was writing the episode the blurst of times <laughs> it was the blurst of times um yeah i mean i don't know uh how detailed uh we can or you want me to go into um about like sort of the mechanics of you know tv writing which we all know because we're all tv <laughs> writers in this virtual podcast room up to you girl all right i consider myself more of a storyteller julia oh wow a a okay a man has entered yes. the room <laughs> Allie, the worlds you build are so they're so rich yeah. they're so rich oh my god i i mean that's i don't get me started on the storyteller plot versus story like an auteur kind of bullshit argument that we can have about all of that i won't i shan't <laughs> Yeah, writing this episode, you know, I'll just take it from, so I went into The Simpsons <laughs> to break the story, and it was, um, you know, of course, like, 
Allie and I have visited before. Jordan, you've been to a table read. You've been to the lot and no. all that jazz, so, right? <gasps> I was an intern on the Fox lot between, I think, my junior and senior year of college. So I, like, saw the Simpsons building and walked by a lot. Right. And I, you know, and I saw... You know, that is kind of when Dana Gould was there. I would see him get out of his uh, station wagon with the um, <laughs> Planet of the Apes sticker on it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was so I've I've been there in that context. But no, you know, I've never been to the table read. It's you a gotta, real. We're going to make sure you go to a table read. I, w- I would love to. It would be such a thrill. Yeah, it is kind of in like L.A. showbiz rite of passage that for some reason. Yeah, I, I have not been invited to yet. So yeah, I, post COVID, it's to happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we've talked about not to derail before getting to the question at hand, but like I, I, Jordan, I think we've talked about. I was an intern at the Fox Lot too, um, very briefly, or maybe we haven't. I interned at FX, so I have like vivid memories of very similarly FX was on the opposite end of the lot compared to the Simpsons, which is like kind of in the heart, but I would take the golf cart and like linger a little too long. Also yeah. I'm an intern, like who's sure. waiting, who's waiting for me to deliver like like the big important stuff. So I would just sort of like, you know, look over to those buildings or just find those little, you know, bits of Hollywood magic and, and stare and dream. Yeah. Um, I, would al- I would always yeah. have like a, uh, easy to debunk lies i would say uh, i'm here with homer's coffee <laughs> in hopes that yeah. they would introduce me to him but uh... <laughs> he, they keep him cooped up in a room in the back yeah <laughs> <laughs> julia so the three of us have been to uh at least the lot but i bet a lot of our listeners have actually never gotten the opportunity to see a studio at all and that's something that i don't think we've really talked about too much on the show in our book and in the show uh, on our podcast we've talked a little bit about the actual room that the simpsons is written although there's more than one room and you'll tell us a little bit about that but there's a level of as you kind of said like there's a level of magic just stepping onto a lot if if anyone ever gets the chance to even just go t- see like a conan taping or like some type of tour you know warner brothers different studios they'll let you do a tour it is so cool even if you have nothing to do with what's going on yeah you know as cheesy as it is it's like that's where the magic happens and it's really cool and for my personal experience um i'll also say that as your friend getting to go to a table read and actually watch like the voice actors like saying your words from the script was one of the most surreal moments of my life so i really want to know what was going through your head and heart at that time because it must have been so cool i mean there's no end to the surreal delight of working in this town (laughs) (laughs) you know to kind of like scale back a little bit Allie we've talked about we're both LA natives I grew up in the valley um, you know North Hollywood to be exact and that is like you know in the shadow of that Hollywood magic stuff and one would think that I would become jaded at a certain point but it really I don't think will ever happen uh, to me no way yeah it's just like you know seeing it's it's just an it's an interesting balance of like being in the work mode of it and you know being like I'm in not in an office I'm going to work I'm doing this job and then (laughs) then you get to have these moments like table reads or you know I um, had my start in writing animation so the first time that I saw something that I wrote animated was this surreal like oh no what have I done you know kind of feeling (laughs) and I've not stopped feeling that way for anything that I've done of just like I'm so sorry to be a burden to all these people (laughs) that had to show up and audition and do this thing I'm sure a therapist somewhere is hearing this and salivating over how to unpack it (laughs) but I shan't shan't let them so yeah I I knew, and then having gone to those Simpsons table reads, I knew that it was going to be this big moment. And I, I kept thinking about the one moment of, in having gone to the Simpsons table reads, like usually Al Jean reads the stage directions and everybody's gathered around and there's like this just 
energy, excitement, buzzing. Maybe it's because there's so many free bits of food everywhere <laughs> that <laughs> usually contributes. Seeing Matt Groening eat a bagel is very exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, knew that was coming and I, I kept anticipating, you know, that one moment where Al usually introduces the script and then he and everybody applauds and then he says, and like written by the writer and everyone applauds. And so I just kept, you know, thinking about that one moment and and then delivered. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how it could have, you know, swayed in any direction, but (laughs) it was very exciting. You know, you were there, Allie, and like my mom and, and, you know, Mike and all these people and, you know, in my life, (laughs) like I, it, to me, it felt like, it felt like a graduation in a way. Um, And so it it had that kind of regalness to it. And um, yeah, sitting and having that moment of like, and it was written by this person and then having, you know, people like uh, Nancy Cartwright and Yardley Smith uh, read, read the words. (laughs) It just, yeah, it was, it was just bizarre and cool. And I, I guess me blathering shows, I still haven't fully processed it, but I think that's good. That is good. Julia, I'm curious about how the whole thing got started. Like, yeah, how do you go from, you know, comedy writing Simpsons fan to comedy writing Simpsons writer? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it, it, it like came about in a way that was like, I think, not casual, but like it, it was... It like any other writing job that I've had to get in a way where... I in mentioning my FX internship, I I happened to have coffee with my old boss. And, you know, over that coffee, she let it spill that they were looking for a new writer. And I think it was at the time that like Megan Amram had just left the show. So they were, you know, looking to fill a position. And she was really the one to encourage me to submit my writing packet. Um, You know, immediately when she mentioned it, my imposter syndrome just like took the wheel and (laughs) was like, oh, no, I mean, no, why? No. And so she offered to pass on my packet and then she did. And then a week passed and I hadn't heard from anybody and I was too scared to reach out to anyone that we knew at the show again, because like I never, you know, Allie and I, we never started this podcast to like use it as a tool to get closer to them in a way that was like opportunistic. I mean, I'm speaking for both of us. Correct me if, if I'm wrong in that, but like that was my mentality. I started it to date Matt Selman. (laughs) (laughs) um anyway yeah so i a week passed and i you know was kind of in this weird limbo of like uh (laughs) you know what is gonna happen and then i happened to have another coffee with another old intern boss so i guess it was like the time of year you know (laughs) and i had mentioned to them my situation and they were like well you need to reach out to the people on the show and I again was like I don't know and they were like this is how this works you realize (laughs) like you know it is about reminding people because also these people are so busy and so it's just about like reminding them that you know oh this may be in your inbox and I didn't so I I, you know finally reached out to Al Jean and was like "Uh, (laughs) hi and you reached out to him because you had or you had the ability to reach out to him because he had been on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. He had been at that point on our podcast for like, you know, three separate times. And so it, it felt it like we, you know, it, it felt comfortable enough. And that is unique to the situation. Like, of course, not everybody who's submitting for a job as a writer, you know, has has those other sources. So I just you know, reached out to him and said, hey, I mean, I don't know if you have even received this email but it's something that my old boss sent and you know you totally don't have it was like the most like (laughs) like I gave him like 27 outs in the email I was like don't worry about it um I'll I'll move you know like if you need me to I'll go home my home is near but I'll go far and um I know I feel like every yeah every showbiz email is three sentences of apology for one <laughs> sentence of information right. yeah, exactly right. yeah the the sweat to bravery ratio is often skewed yeah hey i know you're probably swamped boy i know i always hate getting these emails and i haven't reached out for anything except this in a while but yeah um one bit of advice and i you know i'm i'm very much still breaking into the industry so take my advice the grain of salt but one bit of advice that i've been given that i think is really good is just remembering that 
these people are looking for talented writers and you're doing them right. a service by reaching out. Yeah. And so to any young squires who are trying to become, <laughs> <laughs> to become writers or whatever it is that you're trying to do, uh, yeah. you know. Or to become knights if you're a squire yeah, out there and you're looking to someday <laughs> you know. kill your master and take his place as a <laughs> knight of the round. Looking for someone to kill them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something to do uh, you know, as a pastime on this mortal coil. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, I reached out to him and he asked me to submit my packet to him directly and then and then from there, you know, the one thing that uh, was a, a delight in this process uh, was the thing he really responded to was um, a series that I got to create called Townies. And I had submitted all the scripts for that in uh, my packet. And, you know, up until now and, and to this day, it's it's one of um, I'm the most proud of that it's out of so the things good. that I've been able to do. Ah, oh, thanks. And um you know, it's not widely available. I think the streaming platform that it was airing on is defunct completely in the United States. <laughs> that is really the, like, a plight of the modern oh, yeah. creative person is, like, I wrote something or I cre- or I was in something and it is on a streaming platform that went away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? I feel bonded to everybody who had a show on CISO or Quibi and... Oh, yeah. Go, go 90, go 90. RIP. Yeah. Gas station TV. Gas, <laughs> is gas station TV folded? I think, I think that we're going in a different direction technology-wise. People are not watching TV at the pumps anymore. <laughs> Guys, um, let's actually take a quick break just to give a moment of silence to all of these beautiful networks yes. who are no longer with us. Yeah. Well, hello. I'm Renee Colvert. Hi, I'm Alexis Preston, and we are the hosts of Can I Pet Your Dog? And we got breaking news, we got an expose, and all the beans have been spilled via an Apple Podcast review that said, this show isn't well-researched. <gasps> well, yeah, no duh. Of course it's not. Not since the day we started has it been well-researched. Guessing and anthropomorphizing dogs is what we do. The Can I Pet Your Dog promise is that we will never do more than 10 seconds of research before telling you excitedly about any dog we see. I'm going to come at you with top 10 enthusiasm, minimal facts. We're here for a good time, not an educated time. So if you love dogs and you don't love research, well, (laughs) you know what? Come on in to Can I Pet Your Dog podcast every Tuesday on Maximum Fun Network. Fairhaven's a city in a bubble. An actual bubble. It keeps the monsters out. Most of them, anyway. I never liked the look of movies on Blu-ray. For my money, Betamax is the superior format. I'm thinking of deleting Facebook and going back to MySpace. As far as beverages go, I'm just kind of over water. Though I guess at any given party, you're going to meet some dudes like that even if you're not in the middle of a nightmarish wasteland. Bubble, the sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. And we're back! Oh my god. And we're back! Mm. I cried my eyes out. <laughs> Don't leave us, Tubi. <laughs> hang on, hang on, Tubi. You're a great place to watch old mystery science yeah. theaters. <laughs> um, isn't there? Well, this is sidetracking slightly, but didn't Scott Gardner create a fake one of these called VU Boo? <laughs> Do you guys know oh, about yeah. this? Jordan yeah. is in one of those. Uh, Are you videos. really? Yeah, uh, two 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 of the funnier uh, people around, Scott Gardner and Nick Carassi, they uh, they created a fake streaming network for a fake comedians series of shows. It's really funny. It's so um, funny. Yeah, check out check out View View Boo. How do you, how do you spell it? V I O O B O. Yeah, and it's complicated, <laughs> right? And yes. click up and. Craigada saves America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these these things have a complicated mythology, but they are very worth it to. Yeah. Uh, it's worth it to dig in. V i o o b u is. It's very funny. A very funny uh, send up of yeah. uh, modern uh, media. Unfunny comedy. Yeah. 
So Al really responded to Townies, which makes a ton of sense. I watched Townies and thought that it was a lovely marriage between the styles of like Edgar Wright and The Simpsons, which I think is oh, as, as good you. as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. It's for people that haven't seen it, which is probably all of you. Yeah. What what streaming platform was it? It was on a platform called Black Pills and Black (laughs) Pills. I I know. I have never heard of that. I know. (laughs) And I know you. (laughs) We know each other. (laughs) I know. It was it was something that like cut to listen, Jordan, like twenty eighteen was a wild time. Oh yeah. Hey, if you remember 2018, you weren't there. You weren't there, all right? If you know, you (laughs) know. And uh, Black Pills was, like, the hot streamer for a second. It was funny because, like... It, so it's an import from France. It's really big in France. And the only way that I knew this beyond somebody telling me in like a meeting was uh, one time I got to go to Paris and I did some stand up and I never have credits that anyone knows. And, you know, while I was there, I was like, I don't know, I have a show on black pills and everybody freaked out like it was fucking NBC. So it's that's cute. the only way <laughs> that I know in 2018, like when our show came out around that time time is fluid but like for i think about three months people were like hey can you get me a meeting with people at black pills and i was like it, by then it had already folded in america <laughs> that's how short that time was black pill black pill black pills that- plural i think yeah <laughs> sounds like it sounds like the name of a really upsetting subreddit <laughs> it could it's very well still could be or you know just gripes of people subscribing to it and now not getting all of that hot content um that we crave so much but yeah it was a show that i i pitched it to adaptive studios which is also defunct now Mm, there's a trend (laughs) but before it, it folded it was one of the production companies that produced project Greenlight, and so they very smartly I, I feel, um, you know, they produced Project Greenlight and then had this situation where they had access to all of these up and coming filmmakers and, you know, were like, well, these are all very talented people. Um, let's, you know, help them make short films. Let's help them make, um, you know, digital series, things like that. So that was sort of their mission when I approached them and pitched them townies and they liked it. And so it's, it's you know, one of the few things that I've pitched and sold and actually got made, which, you know, for people that are not in the industry should know that that is like winning the lottery five times in a row (laughs) and like winning the Coney Island hot dog contest and winning like all these other like (laughs) games of chance. Yeah. It's the OC in the old West. It's about the crazy sexy teens of the pioneer era. And it (laughs) stars Natalie Palomides, who is um, a big star. She's brilliant. Big star on the rise. Um, You know, if you saw a photo of her, you probably, uh, you know, recognize her from the progressive commercials or, you know, she's been a ton of shit. Um, Her voice is everywhere. She's a voice in Duncanville. She was one of the Powerpuff Girls in the reboot, you know, and she has um, a Netflix special produced by Amy Poehler coming out uh, hopefully soon. That's exciting. So, yeah, so so yeah, that was Townies, and John Ennis was in that as well, among many other great, talented actors. Yeah, and then <laughs> where am I in, at in this story? Al liked those scripts, <laughs> and um, and I, you know, I had applied thinking that it was for this staff writer position that had just been vacated, but uh, what ended up happening was he offered me a freelance script, you know, and it, it was. Thankfully, he is a quick emailer, but there was definitely like 20 minute time spans between emails where I was like losing my shit and, you know, just like (laughs) having a near panic attack. Um, And I think that after that initial like freelance project email, I emailed back, um, you know, okay, what what does that mean? Um, Do I now watch every single episode over like 31 plus years? And I would have if they needed me to. And uh, then he uh, got back to me and said that it would be the Halloween episode, which was insane. And, you know, I was so, so excited um, that I only had to watch like 31 episodes, (laughs) 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 which then, yeah, that sparked watching all of the tree houses in a row as research, you know, partly to like get in the mood for it and partly to, you know, specifically find like 
you know, which segments they've already done, which elements of horror they've already done. And it was actually, you know, this really pleasant research session because it made me feel like I had stumbled upon a Simpsons spinoff that never existed because it was like, you know, 31 episodes of, you know, it felt like a full season of a full show in that way. And it was really cool to see the evolution of those episodes over time, the evolution of the show and and also made me feel really spooky. And I think it was around <laughs> like April or May or something. So it was <laughs> it was a fun time to be spooky. Yeah, that's so exciting. <laughs> so in your rewatch, what were some of your favorite Treehouse of Horrors? And then Jordan, I'd love to know some of yours as well. Oh, sure. Ooh, I mean, I've, I feel like I've talked a lot about, you know, like the, the earlier Treehouses are so strong and so great i mean anything that's like a twilight zone inspired one ali and i we've talked about we've bonded over our mutual love of twilight zone when yeah. i was in um uh high school i went to an arts high and majored in theater but if you could call it a minor it's fucking high school but if you could call it a minor i did a lot of film classes and my like final project before graduating was an adaptation of a twilight zone episode Partially because I um, love the Twilight Zone so much. Partially because I was a moody teen who loved black and white cinematography. And so <laughs> I, I'm always going to feel a bond to those, you know, like Clown Without Pity and like Tear from 50,000 Feet or 50, 50, whatever, five and a half feet, whatever. And um, like the Just Don't Look, Paul Anka one. Those are so good. But, you know, I, I think that and we've talked a lot about like... Um, the drop off from watching those episodes consistently past season 10, the surprise in my rewatch was like realizing like a lot of us, when we rewatch, um, Oh, this is, you know, this treehouse from like season 11 is, you know, like so strong and so great, you know, season 12, whatever. I think that um, bad to pay segment oh, yeah. doesn't get the credit that it deserves. Cause it is like, really scary and it's also such a showcase for you know a character like snake who we don't really get a lot of airtime for and i think the tree houses are such a great way to bring in those tertiary characters and and have them really star in their own story absolutely yeah uh how about you jordan what are some of your favorite uh treehouse segments uh yeah so so uh, king homer comes to mind (laughs) um I, i love there's a joke in king homer that i just love where it does kind of point out a question I feel like I've always had about the movie King Kong, where Mr. Burns is talking to the press after they've captured him, and they're like, so, you know, so so what's going to happen if people come to the show? And he's like, well, the ape's going to stand around for an hour or so, <laughs> and then we'll close with the ethnic comedy of Dugan and Dershowitz. <laughs> it's, it's funny, because, yes, because before King Kong breaks free, what do they have planned? <laughs> yeah. He's just standing the best there. best case scenario? <laughs> I uh, I did a little, you know, a little spooky season rewatch of some tree houses, and something that really got me was, um, I think it's season 10, there's the one where Bart and Lisa get superpowers, and then comic book guy captures oh, them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a gr- so great guest performance from Lucy Lawless. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> the joke is that comic book guy keeps confusing her with Xena, the character she was <laughs> playing at the time on TV. Uh, and at the end, she picks up Bart and Lisa and flies away. <laughs> and Lisa says, wait, Xena can't fly. And she says, I told you, I'm not Xena. I'm Lucy Lawless. <laughs> and everyone just accepts it. And the episode is over. It's the, it's yeah, I think that funny that, joke and great, yeah. great, great vocal performance from her on that. I think that that was written by Tim Long. I think it was I think he said that that's like his first episode or his first episode air produced on that from his time on the show. And that his favorite joke is Xena needs Zex. (laughs) (laughs) I I love simple jokes like that, that are just wordplay. I think those are so fun. My favorite of the uh, earlier ones is definitely cafeteria nightmare or nightmare cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah. That one has just my favorite. Skinner stuff. Um, yes. Just in fact, you might even say we just ate Uder and he's in our stomachs right now. Right now. <laughs> I also like. I found that episode genuinely terrifying as a kid. Yeah. I couldn't believe that they actually fall into the blender at the end. It's so I scary. Know. <laughs> I know, Julia. Uh, to get into your episode, 
there are a lot of scary moments and it truly it upset me. I know it's the premise, but it truly upset me to see Lisa die so many times. Ah! <laughs> like, it was like, no, I was, not I was Lisa. Curious, I was curious to hear what freaked you out. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I think that like, I mean, the brutality of the deaths are never really shocking, but I think that first death by Gil is like the most jarring but uh, what can I say? I don't know. I love <laughs> I love making people feel the feels. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could tell us a little bit about just like the collaboration of like how the segments were chosen. Do you choose all the segments? Does right. Al choose them? Yeah, yeah. So um, I should say that like, you know, in my e- email back and forth with Al, since I was a freelancer, you know, I not a staff writer so I'm not like coming into work every day or whatever it was a specific day that I was scheduled to come in to break the stories and Al told me before I came in like you know I want you to brainstorm on this one segment and that segment was into the home reverse but if you happen to have other segment ideas from now until then you know just like send it to me a couple days before going in and uh, we shall see or whatever whatever he said and um yeah, I, I immediately like just shat myself, like freaked out, and was like, "All right, <laughs> no problem. Here I go." And yeah, I, I, I've talked about this a little on the show before, but like you know, I I I've very fortunately have been able to call myself a professional writer, mostly in animation, um, you know, for a while now. And so, you know, there was a part of me that was like, this is just a job. This is just a job. This is just a job. And then like, I would be writing and then it'd be like, and then Homer says, and I'd be like, what? (laughs) Homer (laughs) is saying something. Uh, Everybody look alive. Enter Homer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's why it took so long for me to write that script. Cause I kept, you know, like (laughs) freaking out every time I wrote Homer, Bart, or, you know, uh, Lisa's name (laughs) yeah so and um so with yeah brainstorming on segments that was where diving in and watching all of the tree houses was my research and, and work ritual for that and I I wanted to find ideas that were you know not like I don't know it was hard to find the balance of like let's make it scary let's make it something that they haven't done and i've worked on shows that were like you know season two of the show and and felt like it was so prohibitive for any new ideas because you know (laughs) you guys know like if you go into a writer's room and they've been going for a while you pitch something and it's a chorus of like ah well we can't do that or no we already did that and like you know no we don't really like making fun of salad and you're like (laughs) okay well (laughs) fuck me um (laughs) so yeah so how close did you how close did you you watch into the spider verse because that's i guess where the you know where the where the parody is coming from had you seen the movie did you rewatch that a bunch of times yeah i think that when like I don't think that the movie had been released yet for home viewing. So it was this kind of weird balance of like, I think I found a lot of clips from Comic-Con, you know, poured over anything that I could find on the internet. I had seen it in theaters, so I had that as a reference. You know, but then like, you don't need it to be beat for beat in that way. So I tried to find, you know, the parts that were good enough and then like you know, find the balance of, of what the Simpsons was. But when I was doing my um, brainstorming for the other segments, I, you know, wanted to find, this was also before I knew that like it would air on the election year because I didn't do math. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for a while there, we were all like, will there be another election? Be? <laughs> Can I mean, he do that? We, Can he? Uh... Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'll talk about the ones that I pitched that didn't go through because I don't anticipate them ever being used again. Um, But I pitched a cold open where it was the Universal Studios tram tour and, you know, various Springfieldians were riding it. And, you know, there was a tour guide and they were guiding them through. And um, then they paused at the Psycho House. And then Bart came out and had like a really vacant look in his eye and attacked <laughs> the tram and, you know, a blood splatter into the title of um, Treehouse of Horror. I was, you know, 
as I've talked about a lot on the show, as everybody here knows, um, Jordan, we are in a theme park related group chat. I'm a theme park um, baby. <laughs> and so I was like, well, there's an opportunity here. This is also before the ink had dried on the Disney Fox murder. So I just didn't think that there was going to be a possibility that, you know, there would be another theme park presence to um, account for. So that was my cold open that got rejected. Um, rightfully so. But um, yeah, and then I had other ideas that were um, one, uh, I really wanted to do a Maggie story. And so I pitched, you know, this idea of Maggie um, making these um, crayon drawings that ended up becoming true so she kind of was like a baby oracle who you know if she drew a portrait of the family without bart then something bad would happen to bart and then they kind of like turned to her as being sort of a guide for like what was going to happen next and you know something that i think that is particularly creepy about like evil children is when you see the other adults kind of tiptoe around them and that's kind of twilight zone too um, so I yeah. wanted to do that. Uh, but then, you know, things happen and for whatever reason, you know, it, it doesn't get through and, and it's, it's no sweat, but that was something that I was like really excited about. So know that I tried with a Maggie <laughs> story. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm just remembering, oh, sorry. One more. Um, there was one idea that I presented that was, um, do you guys remember in Looney Tunes, um, that there was like some of the shorts had mice living in the walls that had like their own little world and the Kit Kat Club short. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, there's also, there's like a, not a conspiracy theory, but you know, there are some Simpsons fans online that have like, you know, pointed out there are some frames of older episodes where there is like a little door for mice in the Simpsons house. <laughs> like it's only appeared a couple times. <laughs> so that was something that was really interesting to me where I thought, you know, what if it was this kind of Tom and Jerry, but with Homer as like a, a Tom and, and an actual my, mouse as Jerry or whatever that shakes up to be. And so it ended up being like uh, the family's away and Homer has this very like destructive war with this rodent and then they come back and he's burnt down the whole house and, you know, everything is like he's gone insane. And so that's kind of shining too in its own way. I love and that. that didn't go through. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so curious about just like the little process things like for instance like they're like okay well we were thinking about a spider-verse idea but come in with new pitches like and and you have this Tom and Jerry idea do you you know write out some beats do you write out sample jokes do you just verbally pitch it how does that uh, how does how does that happen yeah so I ended up writing it out as like these sort of short paragraph pitches springboards or premises however you know people call them different things and that's usually the process um for pitching you know anything whether you're on staff or whether you're freelance if they ask you like come in with some ideas i usually do you know like a full page of whatever and i'll like bold you know the temporary title for it and then i'll just try and summarize you know the general beats make it feel like it has a beginning middle and end you don't have to spell it out too much. You don't have to inject dialogue. When I was brainstorming on Into the Homerverse, I went like way overboard and even wrote sign gags and things like that because I was so <laughs> goddamn nervous. But yeah, I, I had my little sheet and I think it was just like one sheet of five different ideas. And um, I'd emailed that to Al per his instructions a couple days before and was so nervous. And then, um, yeah, it, it it like ended up being... I didn't know what was going to happen when I came in. I just knew that we were going to break story and every room operates differently. So, you know, imagine my surprise when I came in and, and Al kind of barreled into the room and was like, all right, well, Julia had some good ideas on her pages. So let's break ah. one of those. <laughs> and so we just yeah. were off to the races. And, you know, it wasn't this formal discussion of like, I would like to, you know, pluck this idea and this idea from your pitches. It was just like kind of going with the flow of what, you know, Al determined we needed to break as a room. And of course, like it goes without saying that it is a well-oiled machine over there. They've been doing it for multiple decades. So, you know, like they know what their patterns are with it. And especially Al knows, you know, like how to pick the certain ideas that are going to be best for a Simpsons story and best for um, an episode. I uh, received some advice from Tim Long, friend of the show Tim Long, before because I was freaking out and um, he gave me great advice where he said, you know, when you're coming in to pitch your ideas 
or you're writing them out as springboards, just make sure that they feature the core four family. Um, he said Maggie doesn't count, which um, those are his words, not the show's, not mine. Right. Um, Maggie's basically disco stew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just she's somewhere between disco stew and smiling guy. Um, and uh, yeah, just that it had a beginning, middle and end, that it was gettable, you know, and that it felt Simpsons in a way that, you know, is like irrefutable. And of course, you know, having watched so many episodes of the show and, and been such a super fan, it, it wasn't a matter of like, you know, I feel like I'm just uh, aping Simpsons tone whenever I write anything. <laughs> so it wasn't, wasn't something I was worried about. Aren't we all? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I received that advice and that was very helpful. And then um, coming into the room, it was really me just as a passenger with Al, uh, you know, driving the ship. And I was joined by other writers. Mike Reese was there. He just flew in from New York. He, you know, before COVID flew in for a day of the week every week which is so insane to me it is so crazy (laughs) like i know other people that are commuter writer people like that um i mean not many it's just so wild but cool like it was it was wild to have him there um joel h cohen was there and john frank was there i'm guessing i never got to confirm with him but i'm guessing the namesake of professor frank which felt like (laughs) professor frank was there with me um but they were all really lovely and really supportive and so i i think i just like flop swept my way through presenting my ideas that i'd submitted to al before and then he kind of guided from there of like where we would you know, break and and what would fill out the episode. And it was this like really smooth process of like, okay, what's it called? Okay, it's called this. Okay. And then what happens? Okay, this, you know, and it just felt it was really wild watching that process for them, especially without like he's such, you know, like, it feels like the way that he approaches creativity is in a very mathematical kind of way, which makes sense. Cause I know from his appearances on our show that like he was a math major at Harvard. So like, wow. <laughs> it just felt very like, okay. And then this, this a needs to meet this B divided by this C and it was, um, yeah, just really wild to see a story, you know, unfold in that way and, and have it be like, Oh, and all the choices were correct. You know, like, Oh, you know, for the toy gory one, like Bart needs to, you know, like the switch needs to happen here and then the toys need to happen here. And then, you know, this and that. Yeah. I just feel, I feel so indebted to that room of other writers who, while I was like freaking out and probably being way too quiet, were filling in the space with their brilliant jokes and pitches and, you know, just really elevating those ideas to feel like they were actually, you know, achievable, but not only that, but like really exciting. And so, yeah, I don't know. I've been blabbering That's awesome. <laughs> there, are, there were a few things that I would have uh, hoped to see in a Julia episode one of them is Hans Mole Man, which we got to see <laughs> <laughs> quite fantastically. This is what I get for voting for Kanye. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I definitely would have wanted to see Millhouse. And I think that the Millhouse uh, appearance in Toy Gory is, I think, maybe one of my favorite moments. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, having a puppy Goo Goo appearance, I-, I-, I think that I- I'm not sure uh, how directly um, you were involved with the return of puppy Goo Goo and the barfing <laughs> frog prince but that was very fun as a as a fan to see yeah a lot of fun fun call um, yeah and, i i and, have to credit the other simpsons writers for those specific details <laughs> but but still happy and then another thing that i would have wanted in a simpsons episode is uh i feel like gil i felt like was very amazing to see and then of yeah. course to see that you got to have a whole segment that was dedicated to lisa was like just the coolest thing and the thing i was the most excited about and i actually shouted this um so julia and a few of our friends were at a uh, socially distanced, completely safe outdoor viewing at a uh, brewery when the episode aired. And um, when Horny Marge made an appearance, I screamed, Horny Marge, you did it! <laughs> yeah, I <was> yeah. so <laughs> excited. <laughs> I, that, to me, like, it was, I don't know, it, it takes so long for an episode to, you know, get to air, so I almost forgotten that, like, there was... A, a marge horniness a horny a horny presence so i was i was happy to hear your shouts but um but yeah the whole to go to the whole segment about lisa that was one of the ideas from my 
page of five and That's i so cool. i'm yeah i'm so proud of it it like you know uh, it goes without saying that like this is such a collaborative process especially myself as a freelancer you know i wrote the script and uh turned it in and all that but then you know a lot of it becomes this collaboration of like the other simpsons writers contributing joke punch-ups and, and what have you um, and then, you know, like up until the wire, you know, I, this is what I get for voting for Kanye. Like that's only a line that could have been inserted, um, you know, toward the tail end of that animation production. Of course. Um, but yeah, but with <laughs> although I don't know, I think you could probably throw that in there, and, uh, or maybe <laughs> you we pretty did. Have safely have guessed that in 2018. <laughs> well, Simpsons predicted it, so you know. But yeah, that one is, it's been really heartwarming to see people really respond to that segment. And it's such an honor that that segment closes out the episode because, you know, it it feels like if I could have any specific stamp to the episode, I think it's it's in that one. Um, you know, I yeah, like I said, it was part of the original five that I presented. And um, Lisa is so special to me and I know special to you guys too. And But also like Russian Doll and Natasha Leone is such an inspiration to me and i you know lost my mind when i saw that show oh yeah <laughs> i had to stall for a second i was like was it a movie or a show yes of course it was a show <laughs> but it felt felt like so much more and uh and and yes of course like that segment also shares dna with um other movies like happy death day and groundhog day and whatever but it it felt i mean with the music that they got to um have it really be cemented the music was so perfect <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah, to like have the reaction specifically to that segment has been a a real delight of this process and it's made me feel like we're all kind of, you know, holding hands across time and space. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, comic book guy also did a very good job of pointing out the trope in a very right. funny way. When comic guy, comic book guy is explaining all the um ways that the time loops have ended i i uh the orange you glad i didn't say um yeah <laughs> banana <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 lots of very good lines um mm-hmm. the the fact that the election um intro was able to be so relevant really was shocking just knowing that I've, you know oh. you guys had to come up with stuff i know that stuff was l- added later closer to the election like the kanye line but very impressed with that yeah that was that was such um, an exciting moment of like you know realizing like I said I, I came into the room with that uh, Universal Studios idea and then realizing oh this is going to air around the time of the election how about we just do the cold open like this that was the first thing that we broke as a room and it was like so exciting just to have that but also like we all were up until you know I will say November seventh when it was officially called um, I think you know, everybody was very cautiously like, Haha, really hope this doesn't, you know, go in, in a way that makes like this cold open tasteless or not tasteless, but like, um, I hope it's more of a victory and uh, God, am I glad that it ended up being that way. <laughs> yeah, I honestly hadn't even thought about like how different it would feel if if Trump had won and then we watch like how horrible our future is about to be. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But it, like, I feel like at this point it would have just been like, all right, pile it on more. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm curious uh, in the spider verse, uh, segment, uh, the, the multiple homers they decided on. So I think, you know, <laughs> there's a rift in space time and the homers from the different dimensions all pop out. Uh, so there's like an anime Homer, there's an eight bit Homer. Um, yeah. How did you decide on those? Like, were those all room pitches? Were there other Homers that you didn't get to use <laughs> that you wanted to? That was all the room I got to say, you know, and I think that, like the choice of the different corners of animation or the different corners of the anime, the um, Super Mario, whatever, of course, it's like trying to mimic what was in Spider-Verse, but it wasn't wasn't the process that I was (laughs) in the middle of. It was something that I feel like was tweaked and perfected afterward. Yeah, I, I always love it on The Simpsons when the animators get to kind of like play in a new genre, yeah. like, um, know. you know, the chili cook-off episode where he goes to the kind of Salvador Dali fantasy world. <laughs> Those are always so fun to see 
Simpsons y takes on other styles. So I know. that was like well, a super fun part of that episode. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it too. And it makes me think of, you know, going back to both Nightmare Cafeteria and I will say like King Size Homer. I know we've talked a lot about like when the Simpsons are drawn off model, there's something like kind of like warped but delightful about it. Like there's something mm-hmm. kind of per- perverse about seeing these beloved characters in different ways. So yeah, and it also makes me think of I have this thought every single time I go see a Weird Al concert, I turn to <laughs> Mike and I just go like, man, it must be so fun for his band to be able to like embody literally every musical genre. And I think that, you know, there's something inherently fun about that animation style being explored in this episode, too. Like, I, I was impressed at how much was able to actually occur because those segments really, f- and this is actually just the, t- the case of every Treehouse of Horror episode where I go back and I rewatch it. And I'm like, man, when I was a kid, this Shining segment felt like a half hour just because it, like, they yeah. have a whole story yeah. in it. And the Homerverse in particular felt very much just like, wow, that very much was a story that was built in, like, five minutes or something. Um, and it had a right. Disney Princess Homer song and Lisa sang. And, <laughs> like, it was um, – I'm, I'm not sure uh, who contributed to the idea that in um, – in Smithers, in one of his characters' timelines, yeah, uh, that he's the sidekick, that Burns is the sidekick to Smithers, I thought was a really fun little twist. That wasn't my joke, but I'm so grateful for that, because to me, I think that's one of my favorite jokes of the whole night. Because it, it's perfect because it does that Simpsons thing of, like, you know, the train is, like, barreling toward home and you need to slow down at some point. <laughs> and it's this perfect thing of, like, it solves everything in a single joke, you know, that, like, Burns would be so offended by that premise that, like, all right, <laughs> and then we're shutting it down. <laughs> it is funny that he uses the word sidekick, too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that he, he like, acknowledges the trope. <laughs> Uh, well, Julia, what were some of the, uh, if you choose to share, what were some of the favorite lines or moments uh, that you got to contribute to the episode? Or if you prefer, what are some lines that some other folks came up with with you? What I will say that like, you know, of course, like any time that you submit a first draft of anything, um, it gets like, you know, chopped and screwed and, you know, pushed through the many different components of um, the assembly line. So, um you know, the things that like remained in, in some way from that first draft that I love and I'm so proud of are the Turner Classic Movies moment mm-hmm. in the Toy Gory segment. That was, oh, that's that so was fun. Great. <laughs> that was some... And they got Mankiewicz. They, they got, got Mankiewicz to do the voice. That was such a treat. Yeah, I, I feel like the original draft, I mean, like, I'm sure... As you know, you guys could probably guess, and Allie probably knows, like, kind of obsessed with like old timeyisms and like you know, sort of the like weird contradiction of like movies from the fifties and sixties that were meant to like empower women, especially, but end up doing the exact opposite. <laughs> um, so to have a venue for that was you know really special, and so I'm really glad. In the room, I think it was something like, oh, okay, and you know, where Homer and Marge? Okay, they're downstairs. They're falling asleep to an old movie, and that was sort of like the little nugget that then ran and and developed into that Turner Classic movie segment. Um my my eyes are down here, I feel like was something Classic. I originally had in, in Oh, my that was script. a good yeah, good line. <laughs> um what I will say uh, the original well actually I don't think I even turned this in cuz I was you know obsessively writing and and tweaking and rewriting this episode before turning it in but like original 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 for that toy gory segment i um contemplated having it end in almost uh, a tribute to saw um where like bart wakes up in sort of like this dank basement kind of room and it was like really scary and um all the all the toys are torturing him i'm really happy with the way that it ended up being but that was something that was sort of like on on that ground floor um for that idea yeah like i said with the b9 rewind segment um you know having uh gil be this catalyst of (laughs) death was something that i feel like was part of that original draft too and i love gil i know we've talked a lot about how special he is but to have him you know be kind of kind of the star of that besides lisa nelson uh, was fun 
one thing I'll say about a joke that got cut, I'm guessing for time and for production was they, well, it got slimmed down when they uh, realized that they need to go somewhere to seek guidance um, for the quandary of having to die and, and restart their lives over and over there. They go like, Oh, we'll go to the one guy who, you know, has all the answers. And, and in my original draft, <laughs> I wrote that they ride their bikes past the church, ride their bikes past the Buddhist temple, ride their bikes past the synagogue. So it was like this three beat, but I understand <laughs> they just did the one church keep going sign. Um, sure. and, yeah, getting to, and then another thing that I'm remembering now in the room, they'd had Harlan Ellison voice a character or voice himself, um, in a, a previous episode and they really wanted to incorporate him into, um, you know, the episode. And I think they wanted to originally like replay whatever line he recorded, which was like, that's not how I remember it. I think that was the line. <laughs> and, uh, they didn't in the end, but I'm glad that he still got that shout out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that comic book guy. Uh, was there. I will also say that it was supposed to end in many different ways, but one of the endings that we discussed as a room was like Nelson's mom showing up and giving him Aww. some advice that, you know, allowed him to kind of find that closure. But it was hard. I mean, comic book guy, you know, lays it out in the segment of like the different ways that you close a time loop. It, it just was hard to find that road, I think. And so it changed um, in a way that I think was better. Yeah. With uh, Harlan Ellison and with uh, Ben Mankiewicz, there's that like that's I think that's that's just classic like Simpsons guest casting fun in that like like you know certainly in more modern Simpsons you know they can get a Lady Gaga to stop <laughs> by but like you <laughs> yeah. know classic Simpsons guest stars like George Takei yeah. and uh, Art <laughs> Spiegelman I love them getting just these kind of deep Ernest cut Borgnine. nerd people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Borg Nine. <laughs> Borg's here, Borgie. Yeah. Borgie. <laughs> yeah. You kids probably remember me as Sergeant Fatso Jetson from Here to Eternity. <laughs> Yay. Oh, one more thing that I remember uh, while on this topic um, from the Toy Gory segment, I just remembered that I think I wrote the tickled out Elmo as Elmo with an X. So it's like E L M E A U X. Um, oh. He's French like that, and then he had like a French accent. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, it's such a fun episode, and it's even if I didn't know you, I would say that this is really one of the strongest treehouses that I've seen as an adult. Surely, like easily, like of the modern one. And the, I always love the treehouse, the treehouses. Like I haven't kept up with the modern um, seasons, like every episode, but I always make sure to watch the treehouse, and I think it's one of the best. Oh, thanks. Yeah, such a such a funny episode for Thanks. sure. I mean, uh, like I said, so much credit goes to all those Simpsons writers and no, every you step get of the, the credit. Way. <laughs> <laughs> Steal it all for yourself. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Ooh, I love credit. Sure, all right, fine. I and I alone, every frame of it, I animated it too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, I'm too modest. <laughs> uh, so. Julia, you had previously suggested the idea of maybe we ask Jordan what are some segments that he might want to see if he were to write or oh, pitch yeah. a uh, Treehouse episode. Jordan, has, have there have there been any movies or things that you you would think like God? It'd be really fun if they did a version of that with The Simpsons. Oh boy, that is such a great question. Um, yeah, Jesus, and it does seem like they're they're kind of doing you know, obviously you know Twilight Zone and classic horror they've done, but yeah, I do it is kind of fun to see them pull in stuff like you know spider-verse yeah. to where it is like oh that was just like a big movie that year and you know is a fun thing to do with the simpsons so yeah i like that that kind of like that set of possibilities exist um and i'd love to see a jurassic park one i don't think they've ever done a oh, straight up jurassic yeah. park parodies i mean there's been some nods to jurassic park certainly in the show but yeah full yeah, on that's good jurassic park episode would really would really warm my heart yeah that'd be fun any any type of those like sci-fi action i know dinosaurs aren't science fiction but um you know those types <laughs> of movies that would be fun um well and Ali, I actually do think they're science fiction because I am a young Earth Christian. Whoa, what? And I think that the Earth has only been around for 2,000 years. Tell me and more. That the devil put dinosaur bones here to trick us. Do you need new members? Uh, yes, I'm always looking for members. <laughs> well, 
Julia, it's been amazing to get to uh, learn more about the process and kind of geek out about this experience with you. I'm sure that you'll continue to get lots of questions from people. So we appreciate you giving us the hot goss. It's extremely exciting. Thanks for all your love and support and everything. And yeah, I mean, not to cheese out, but like that, that meant the world to me and, you know, really kept me bolstered during the process like knowing that I could turn to you and tell you about this like insane thing that happened and that it was felt with that love and support and cheerleading that made me feel really good and supported so thank you oh that's so great of course and Jordan (laughs) it's been so fun to have you on the show again and uh get to talk about this with you we knew you'd be the perfect person to co-host this episode with us Oh, thanks. This is always such a such a blast to chat with you guys. Two of my favorite people, and uh, my and one of my favorite topics. Yay! <laughs> what are the other favorite topics? <laughs> oh no, it's just the one. <laughs> oh, gotcha. I'm a, I'm a one dimensional character. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a late thirties white guy who likes the Simpsons. It's just this and the Beatles one. Um, yeah. You're a one. You're a uh, one man topic. A lover. <laughs> right. Um, Jordan, where can people find you online? Is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, sure, yeah. I do a uh, chat podcast called Jordan and Jesse Go that I mentioned, also here on Maximum Fun. Uh, both of you have been guests. It's a um, delight. It's a delight. We don't really talk about anything of substance. <laughs> it's just a chat show, Jordan and Jesse Go. Um, and uh, I uh, next year in July, I have a graphic novel coming out that um, you can pre-order that's now so cool. Fuck yeah. god that's so fucking cool yeah it's called it's called bubble it's based on a sci-fi comedy podcast i did for max fun it is about a bunch of goofy hipsters in a utopian wasteland uh who live under a bubble but they have to use this uber like app to kill monsters um i co-wrote the script with the uh great comedy writer sarah morgan and the art is by uh tony cliff who does the delilah dirk series uh, a series i was a big fan of um yeah it, it was really fun to do and i i know for sure there is one simpsons reference in it <laughs> That also doubles as a reference to uh to the Stonecutters trivia night. Ooh. What? Yeah. So there. Uh, so yeah. So I won't. I won't. I won't uh, give you too many clues on where to look for it. But uh, yeah, if you, Mr. If Police, you get bubble... I want all of the clues. <laughs> Sorry, Snowman. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah, a uh, you know, uh, Julie. I think you talked about like, oh, it's so fun to you know, kind of dream about doing something and to have it come true. And definitely, I'm a I'm a lifelong comics guy. Yeah. So like getting to write comics was That's such so a rad. such a thrill. And I I'm I've seen early drafts of it and it really turned out great and beautiful and it's a ton of fun and uh yeah it turns out when you pre-order a book that really helps the people who made the yeah. book so yeah heard it here people as soon as this episode is over you're gonna go and pre-order bubble and you could pre-order it on amazon or bookstores where do people do that it's a perfect christmas present yeah mm-hmm. amazon barnes and noble and uh, yeah, or uh, you know, better yet, call your local indie bookstore. Love yeah. that. Order it for you, and you can help them uh, through a tough time. I love In comic that. book shop. I imagine indie bookstore. Yeah, it's a little. It's some comic book shops now. I know oh, there's a lot of comic book shops that I'm. This is some weird publishing stuff I'm learning about. Some comic book stores who only deal with Diamond maybe don't have it for pre-order yet, but some do. But yeah, definitely those local comic shops um, would love your business. So uh, give them a call, and if not, uh, it should be there soon. I'm going to do that right away. Thank you so much again, Jordan. And uh, hey, Julia, where can people find you online? Ah, thanks so much for asking. I'm at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thank you so much for asking. You could find me at Allie Gertz and all the things. And you could find us at Simpsons Pod. Oh, by the way, my Twitter was hacked. And I hopefully got it back by the time this has launched. But so far, I have not had my Twitter access for at least a week. And so... I've been tweeting a lot more from the Simpsons pod account and I highly <laughs> recommend following it because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were always really great at it. Um, I, I think I've more than once alluded to that you are like 99.9% of the Simpsons pod Twitter <laughs> and I'm just a little point one coming in for little Frankiac <laughs> memes every now and then. Um, I often, I think I... Don't even remember the Simpsons pod pass where I, well, whatever. <laughs> I, 
it's it's all good. So I'm happy that you're here. But I hope you do get your account back. Thank you. <laughs> Round Springfield is a production of Maximum Fun. We're a member-supported show, so go to MaximumFun.org slash join to contribute. Our booking manager is Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish! Smell you later. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.